Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and we are continuing on in our Lives and Letters message series. And I want to jump right into talking about our lives first before we dig into a letter from the Bible. Life can be stressful and filled with anxiety and worry. We don't have to look too far to see people are, are, are stressed. In fact, you've probably been dealing with some stressful things as well. I, I know I have. I went to my annual <clears throat> physical a couple months ago, and I've been having some neck pain and just not feeling very good. And so the doctor did some, some uh, tests, and it, his conclusion was, I, I think it's just stress. And I thought, well... <laughs> I think I agree with you. It's been quite a year. My wife was in the hospital a couple times last year. Uh, we have four kids, ages two to eight. So I, I concurred with his diagnosis of stress. Uh, Rebecca Lyons, in her book, Rhythms of Renewal, did a lot of studies on stress and anxiety. And I haven't read the book, so this isn't an endorsement of the book, but her studies were really uh, really helpful. She says 77% of us right now in society are facing physical symptoms of stress. That's racing mind, shallow breathing, sleepless nights. As a result, we are collectively spinning out. And along with her, her research on anxiety, um, she, she found some things about loneliness. There's a loneliness ec- epidemic Uh, Right now in society, 46% say they experience high feelings of loneliness. 27% believe that they don't have a real friend, one real deep friend. This is up to the ages of 38 and millennials. So that's the age group we're, we're looking at here. That's a problem because we're online talking to everyone, but connecting with no one. So what's going on in your life right now as you face the circumstances you're in? You look at all the things that you have on your plate. Are you feeling stressed? Are you fighting burnout? Is loneliness creeping in? Anxiety can come at us from a lot of different ways. There's relational anxiety. That could be huge. If a relationship with somebody is strained, that can weigh on us like nothing else. Maybe career anxiety, the pressures of Work can really eat at us. Financial anxiety. How am I going to pay for all these bills that keep piling in? Or parenting anxiety. Am I really doing what's best for my kids? Are they getting all that they need education-wise? Are they getting the values that they need to grow up to be successful in life? Or just busyness. That can really weigh on us. Running from work to picking up the... Kids after school, to soccer, to the next thing, you know, we get filled with, you know, how's this all going to work out? And then there's external factors and anxiety, political fighting, spread of disease, rising concerns over world powers and the global economy, what kind of world our kids and grandkids are going to live in. Last week, my family and I, we went on a hike. We've been doing that um, the last few weeks, just on my day off going on hikes. And it's fun. Uh, there's a, a picture of, of me and my son, JB, right there, uh, walking on the trail. It was a rocky trail that we went on. We're having a great time. As we're coming down, my two-year-old just starts running down the mountain. And before we could catch him, he just eats it. Boom, just 
sprawled out. It's one of those he caught himself within his head. So there's the aftermath. You can see a little scrape on his head. So we, we got him up. He's crying. We're, we're checking on him to make sure he's okay, doing our normal checks. And it seemed like it was just a normal bump. He, he would be okay. So we went home and just looked for signs of concussion. <laughs> just waited out. He ended up being fine. But there's always something we can be worried about, isn't there? There's always something that happens, even on a fun family hike, that we can be worried about. So why are we in this state? Why are all these worries and anxieties and problems going on in our life? Well, our natural tendency is to try to fill ourselves up with what we think is best. We look at our symptoms and we try to fill ourselves up. So I brought this bucket just to, to be a help. And I got some, some gold coins here. Um, this is going to be a help and illustration. And so what we typically try to do, at least what I typically try to do, is I start feeling anxiety or the stress that I was feeling that my doctor told me about. What do I do? I run to Google. And I Google, you know, how do I deal with anxiety and stress? Well, here, here's some things from Google. Eat healthier. So we tr- I try to fill myself up. Eating healthier. I try to drink less caffeine. Actually, I didn't try to do that, but recently I have, and it's actually helped. But eventually I got there. Try to get more sleep. We try to find, if we're under financial stress, we try to find ways to make more money. We, we try to exercise more. We try to turn to entertainment to just shut things off for a while. We turn to all these things and we're trying to fill up our bucket so that we feel better. But the problem is that when I do that, when I focus on myself, my bucket, eventually it's getting pretty full and I'm feeling good, but then life takes over. And... More stress comes, more anxiety, and my, my bucket just empties out. And then I have to fill it again. And, and then I'm stressed about trying to fill my bucket. The problem is that when we treat just our symptoms, we're ex- the symptoms we're experiencing, it doesn't fix the root problem. There's a spiritual problem and issue first that we need to, we need to deal with. And this feeling and the state of our lives in this world, it's nothing new. Now, when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about something mystical, but it's actually there's an issue that we have with God. God made us. He loves us. He has a plan for us. But we, we turn and go our own way. We're like the rebellious teenager who doesn't want to do what their parents say. We don't want to do what our spiritual father is telling us to do. We keep looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. And we're like people holding these empty buckets, trying to fill ourselves up, but we can't get it done. Well, thankfully, there's a letter in the New Testament portion of the Bible from an author that we've heard of in this series already that helps us solve that root issue that plagues us. Today, we're going to focus on the book of Ephesians. This is a letter that Paul wrote. Paul was an early church starter, um, and he wrote this book to uh, people at a church in Ephesus. 
Ephesus was a wealthy port city. Uh, here's a, a picture. I did a, uh, a little map search, and there's actually the Ephesus Archaeological Museum, which is right where, right where Ephesus was, so that was, that was helpful. So you can look at that dot. as a wealthy port city um, on the western shores of Turkey. And this church in Ephesus was one of the most prominent early churches. And Paul is writing this letter from prison. And this letter is meant to encourage the church in Ephesus. He points them to treasures found in Christ. Now let's think about that for a moment. Paul is in prison. And this is a letter to encourage. He's not looking to be encouraged, but to encourage other people. Here he is in prison looking outward to encourage. So let's dive into this letter to the Ephesians and see how we can apply it to our life. So we can hopefully get some of that strength that Paul has to be able to encourage while he's in, in prison. We need to start with our problem first. Uh, before we can get to the solution that leads to this type of faith that Paul had that was unshakable, filled with purpose and fulfillment in his life. So our, our problem is that without Christ, we have a deficit that we cannot escape. So without Christ, we have this deficit that we cannot escape. That point is on um, the listening handout in your program if you want to use it to follow along. But without Christ, we have a deficit that we cannot escape. Paul paints a very bleak picture in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He says that we are dead spiritually without Christ. If you've not yet committed your life to Christ, Paul's hope here, and my hope, is that you will see the treasures and riches that come when you decide to follow Christ. I'm not talking about material wealth material treasures, but we're talking about peace, hope, well-being, purpose, contentment, redemption. These are the types of treasures that God gives to those who believe. If you are a follower of Christ, and that's, this letter was written um, specifically to followers of Christ, he wants to remind us of our core problem, that without trusting in God day by day, moment by moment, we live like people who have a treasure, but we act like we're in, pro- in poverty. So here's the problem that Paul talks about. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit That is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So this description is describing the deficit that we cannot escape on our own. And it's it's pretty harsh description here. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. This is saying that on our own, we chose spiritual death apart from Christ. It seems like a harsh way to say it, but Paul is really convinced that this is true. This is real. This is reality. 
on our own, we choose to live separate, apart from God, choosing to go our own way. And he goes on to describe that we have an enemy who wants us to keep doing that, just that, to keep going our own way. And if we are turned and trying to follow God, he wants to turn us around to go our own way again. On our own, we keep getting tripped up by our passions and our desires. That's what it's talking about here. Now, baseball season is almost here. I'm a big baseball fan. Um, and this is the image that came to mind when I was thinking about keep getting tripped up on our passions and our desire, the desires of our flesh. So take a look at this video here. So a tying run at first, winning run at the plate. Lined into right field. Jack Cust. Garcia, they're going to send him. No, they stop him. And Cust falls down. And he's in a rundown. Aaron Boone, going to tag him out. There was nobody in home plate, and Jack Cust simply lost his footing. I gotta be honest, that's painful to, to even show that. And I already apologize. We have a big Orioles fan at our church. I already apologized to him. So if there's any other Orioles fans, sorry to bring this up. Seven years ago. Sorry. I have, I have memories from my baseball of things I wish I did different. I have a specific pitch in my last game that I wish I would have swung at. And I still remember it exactly. So that guy, poor guy, he's, he's, I'm, and that's a long time ago now. That poor guy, he's, he's still living that, I'm sure. But that's beside the point. I'm getting over my emotions of the video that I knew was coming. Sorry. The thing is, we trip and we fall, we get back up, and we try to make up for the sin that we've done, the, the wrong way that we've turned. And just when we think the coast is clear, there was nobody at home plate, he can make it, we trip and fall again, and we get tagged out. But God doesn't want us to get stuck in this loop of following after our passions and desires. He wants us to find a way out, and he has made a way out for us. And so we're going to take a look at a Lord. It's called the Lord uh, acrostic, Lord presentation. We're going to look at that together. This is the way out of our getting stuck in the loop of our sins and our transgressions. The Bible says that God loves you, and he loves you, he loves me, and all people. And he wants you to experience abundant, real life. But rather than turning to God, every one of us began to sin. Going our own way, trying to be our own boss. That's what we've been talking about. This is why we're condemned. And the result of this is separation from God. The Bible says that sin has cut us off from knowing God personally. So instead of experiencing the life and freedom that God desires for us, people are dead spiritually, cut off from God, and actually in bondage to the enemy. This is why we feel stuck. This is why we feel disillusioned. We're in bondage to the enemy to keep doing these counterproductive 
things. But with Christ, our sins are forgiven and spiritual debt is canceled. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can, no one may boast. Paul is reminding us that it's grace that saves us. Faith in Christ and what he did on the cross to save us from our sins. It's not by our own doing. It's not by us doing good to try to make up for the bad that we have done. And the result, the destiny that that gives us to remedy the situation is that God sent Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and was raised from the dead. The Bible says that all people without Jesus are destined for hell. We're children of wrath is what Paul was describing us earlier. He was using that. He was showing us just the sin, sin epidemic that was going on in, in the world, and it still goes on today. However, those who repent, those who turn around and yield their life to Jesus as the boss of their life, will become children of God and experience the life and freedom that God desires for them. When you make Christ the Lord of your life, you become a child of God. You become a part of God's family. You get brothers and sisters in Christ who want what's best for you. You get an inheritance from God. Here in Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, we see the treasures for God's family members. We're going to spend the rest of our time looking at this and the implications that these treasures have for, for our life. Ephesians 1, 16 through 19 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now remember, Paul's in prison, and he's not concerned about his problems. He's not looking to exercise more or to get more sleep to deal with his problems. He is not ceasing to give thanks for the Ephesians. He can't be out doing what he, he is called to do. He can't be out spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. But what he can do is he can pray and he can write letters and he can encourage people. And look at what else he says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul is praying these blessings over the Ephesian people. He's, he's wanting them to be able to see life how it really is, to have wisdom, to make good decisions, to live and experience the blessing that God has for those who walk in his ways. And then he switches. And he starts talking about things that he wants them to know. Take a look at what he says. He says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. The first thing he prays for them to know is hope in God's promises. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. One of the treasures being God's child is hope. This isn't a vague hope like 
I hope God provides the house that I want, or I hope God provides the car, or I hope God helps my child to, to grow up and, and be the person I want him to be. It's not this vague hope or just hoping for things. It's a very specific hope that Paul's talking about. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. And it helps in this instance to really to look at the Greek words to get a better understanding of this hope that he's talking about. So hope is the word elpis. It's a favorable and confident expectation. That's, that's a lot like our English word. It, it, that makes sense. Uh, favorable and confident expectation. The word for called here is klesis. God's invitation to man to accept the benefits of salvation. So putting together the hope to which he has called you is Hope is a confident expectation of the benefits of salvation. That's the type of hope that's being talked about here. It's a hope that our sins are forgiven. We have a clean slate before God. He will not hold our sin against us anymore. It's a hope to eternal life in heaven with him. It's a hope of freedom from our passions and desires, freedom from bondage to the enemy, freedom from fear of death. That's the hope that's being talked about here. And knowing this hope, it's hard to remember it when life is filled with worries and anxieties. I mentioned earlier my wife was in the hospital two different times last year and uh, really, there was just months, and I, 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 we lost track, but there was months of just not knowing what each day was going to look like. Um, if she was going to be well enough to take care of the kids, our, our kids are two to eight, and um, we just didn't know what each day looked like. It was stressful. It was hard to get through. It was, I didn't always have this hope in those days. I had to keep fighting to get back to the hope that God's talking about here. But that's what got us through those months and, and a couple years, really, of, of health problems that, that she was going through. It was this hope, not a hope that this situation was just going to work out and it was going to work out the way that we wanted. It wasn't really a hope that Gina was going to be healed and, and get all better from it. I was praying for those things. I was, I was wanting those things. But the hope that got us through those times was that this isn't always going to be this way. Life isn't always going to be filled with these worries. There's something that we can look forward to at the end when we can spend eternity in heaven. Life might be hard and difficult, but the hope that's talked about here. Is, is a hope that it's not always going to be this way. There will be perfection when this life ends and we go on into eternity. And that's the type of hope that can get us through any situation. I pray that we can all experience the blessing that comes, the fulfillment that comes from this hope of salvation. But that's not the only treasure that God gives us. He also gives us the riches that he gives to Christ's followers. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? 
is, is what it says in that verse. Now, the saints are Christ followers. They're believers. That's, what it, that's who it's talking to there. And there are numerous riches that God gives to those who choose to follow him. Eternal life gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to decide to do right. Gives us gifts to serve one another. The list can go on and on. But one of the riches that Paul is talking about here and bringing up is community with other Christians. When we decide to relate to each other the way the Bible talks about, it is rich relationships filled with putting others first, bearing with one another, helping each other out. And it's a glorious inheritance to be a part of God's family. Our family moved a couple months ago, and, you know, moving, it, it, it's, it's just not fun. To move. I mean, I guess it's fun if you're, you know, going to a house you really want to go to, but the process of moving is not fun. And when we moved, we had 15-plus CIV people um, that came and helped us move, and that was that made it so much better than just if we were moving on our own. My wife was actually sick that day, and people came and, and cleaned our house so that we could give the keys back to our landlord. That's just one tangible way that God's family puts each other first. But there's all kinds of ways that that happens. Paul wants us to know the benefits of doing life together. At CIV, this happens as we attend worship services and worship together, as we participate in groups together, as we serve on teams, and as we learn in workshops together. All of that helps us to do life together. Christ followers are united by a faith, and as we team together to use our resources to accomplish um, the mission that God has given us, It creates this wealth of relationships. And the third treasure that Paul talks about here is access to God's power. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Paul wants us to know God's power. Paul knew God's power. Paul was actually opposed to Christians. He was was actively persecuting people who were following Christ. And Jesus appeared to him after he was crucified. And Paul, and Paul turned and started to follow, follow Christ. In the Bible, we see God's power in, in a lot of different ways. We see that God created the, the earth in six days. He rested on the seventh day. Jesus performed miracles with God's power, healing the blind, healing paralyzed people, and and more. And there's also this power to God's character. He is just and righteous, always doing what is right. Think about Jesus dying on the cross. God, who has the power to do whatever he wanted, did not violate his character. There was only one way for mankind to be redeemed into a relationship with him, and that was for for the pain of sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. And God has also given us his word, the Bible, which has the power to teach us, 
to correct us, to train us in righteousness. Paul wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. We need to experience God's power to see him come through for us and continue to go back to him for strength again and again. And he will get us through whatever we're going through. God has given us just a generous inheritance. And as we remember the inheritance that he's given us, good works will flow out of it. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us and gave us the resources to do good works, to work hard on our jobs as for God, not, not working for man, to follow our bosses well, to take school seriously and do our best in it, to find ways to meet the needs of others, to encourage one another when we're discouraged, and to encourage people to do what the Bible says to share the truth about Jesus Christ with other people. We have the resources needed to do these things. But coming back over here, we typically think, well, we just have this empty bucket. I can't do it on my own. How is someone like me going to do good works? How am I going to have an impact in the world? That is what we think when we focus on ourselves. But Ephesians gives us this different perspective. If you are a Christ follower, your treasure chest is already full. And that's what we have here. It's full of treasure that never runs out. It's full of hope, riches in community, access to God's power, And we can see all of that as we read the Bible and the word that God has given us. Read the letters that people wrote. When you start to feel overwhelmed by life and you get anxious with some circumstance that we're feeling, remember that you have this treasure with you full of hope in Jesus Christ. Use that hope. Pray, thanking God for the assurance of salvation that in the end, I'm going to be with God in heaven, regardless of what happens in the here and now. Pray, thanking him for that and ask him to have hope in whatever situation you're facing. Maybe you have a decision that you're trying to make. Remember the treasure that you have with God's community. Ask people who, who know or more than you are, more wise than you who can help you to make the decision. Ask people around you to pray for you as you make the decision that you, that you have before you. If you're feeling tired or burned out, remember that you have a treasure in you that is full with access to God's power. He will give you the strength that you need as you put your trust in him. Pray for him to help you. Paul was doing good works from prison, encouraging his brothers and sisters. We can do good works to those around us as we operate out of the same inheritance that Paul was operating out of. Would you pray with me? 
God, we just thank you so much for this inheritance that you've given us, that we can have hope in you. We can have hope that you have taken care of our deepest needs and that you will help us in whatever situation that we're going through, that we can have hope and just thank you for the riches that you've given us in in community if we put into practice what the Bible says that we can have relationships that last for decades. And we thank you so much for giving us access to your power. We thank you. We Help us to remember these treasures that you've given us so that we can do the good works that you want us to do, that we can be a blessing to the people around us, to our community. Help us to do that, God. Help us to put it into practice this week. We ask for your help to do this in your power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Dad. Uh, please pull out your connection card uh, that we were looking at earlier today. And if you would, finish filling out any information uh, that you didn't get a chance to fill out earlier. You know, each week, uh, if you have been here at Church in the Valley, we, we encourage you to take a next step and to respond in some way in faith, to try to apply what what you've learned. And we do this so that we can bridge the truth of God's Word, that Bible that 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 held up, uh, to our lives. The blessing comes in the doing. The doing is the risk. The doing is the cost. The doing is the faith. And that's where we really meet God. So we have three uh, next steps to suggest to you. And if you would look at your uh, your program or the the, car, the connection card, uh, you can see them. The first one is is to follow Christ for the first time. Uh, for the first time, uh, you may want to receive the inheritance that God has for us. Uh, maybe today is the day you realize, uh, I, I, I see that God has sent his son Jesus and that he is the one who's going to bring the grace and power of God in my life and bring me into God's family. I want to be a part of God's family. And if you're ready to make that decision, to follow Christ, to make him your Lord. We would love to help you. Uh, and so you can let us know in the connection card. And we would love to meet with you and help you make that decision and also take your first steps as a Christian. Number two is explore the treasures of uh, community by joining a team or a group. Uh, the, the, the body of Christ or the family of God, the people uh, here that, that are a part of God's family, uh, they refresh one another, they serve one another, they encourage one another, they support one another. It's a real blessing uh, in my life. And, and so as you get more involved in a, in a church like Church in the Valley, if this church is your home, through being a part of groups or maybe on a team or in the other ways that are possible, God can really work. And so in my life, recently at a, a group I, was, uh, I, I went to on Thursday, I left really encouraged to pray and just be really honest with God because of what God uh, had done through the little time that we had together. It was great. So maybe you want to be a part of that. You can let us know by marking on the card. I'd, I'd like more information about a group or more information about a team. Uh, the third thing you can do is ask God for power as you face something. I mean, is there anything like, like Pastor Thad was saying that you're anxious about? Of course. Overwhelmed about. Discouraged right now, perhaps. Turn to God and ask him for help and lean into the treasure that God has given you. So, so please let us know how we can pray for you on the connection card. You can finish that up and drop that in the offering. It's the amazing inheritance that God 
the God of the universe has given us. And, and that's, that's what we're celebrating this morning. Let's continue to worship uh, with singing and with our offerings.